0: Certainly, certainly counted a privilege to be with you this morning and trust that we've met together to attempt to worship the Lord our God in spirit and in truth and to offer up these hymns from our heart unto the Lord in praise and adoration unto Him. Uh, uh, Paul, the impression of our mind, uh, this morning, I'd like to try to talk to you, uh, kind of a continuation from two weeks ago. Where we tried to talk about being resigned to God's will. If you have your Bibles, like to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 15. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, we tried to speak on the subject of being reconciled to God's will as it relates to God's word, His revealed word. And, uh, as servants of the Lord, we try to do what the Lord tells us to do. He asked a question in Luke chapter 6 verse 46 to some Pharisees. He says, "Why call you me Lord, Lord and do not the things which I say?" A servant has his lord and as servants of the Lord, we try to serve him and do that which is acceptable and honoring and uh to in his sight. And we had looked at an occasion here where Absalom, one of the sons of David, had made insurrection against his father, the king. And he had spent a lot of time at the gates of Jerusalem uh, talking to folks and winning over their hearts unto him. And finally he uh, pronounced himself king. And David and the faithful servants to David are fleeing out of Jerusalem into the wilderness. And we try to look at this text, this attitude, of the servants of david that they had toward david the king which is the same type of attitude that we should be having to the king of kings and lord of lords in being ready to do whatever the lord would tell us to do and if we're reconciled to god's will we're going to be ready like saul was on the road to damascus lord what would you have me to do here in this place verse 15 15 as they were fleeing out of Jerusalem from Absalom, um, the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. Uh, I think they were ready to stay and fight if the king said fight. They were ready to flee if the king said flee. On this occasion the king said flee. What's going we're gonna flee? From Absalom out into the wilderness. Alright? And we looked at many examples. Abraham and, and Joshua and, and some others. Of examples of people. Jeremiah. Who were staunchly ready to do whatsoever the Lord God would command them to do. Whether it be Abraham take the life of his son in offering. Whether it be Jeremiah who, who just was faithful and taking a girdle and having an object lesson for the children of Judah, uh, any of those things are evidence of a submission to the will of God as God has revealed His will through the Word of God. Alright? But this morning we want to talk about being in submission and resigned to God's will as it relates to God's will as it's uh, reflected in providence. See, we have a God whose His throne is is set in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. It says one o three nineteen of Psalms. He set His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. He is the it says in Psalms twenty two eighteen. He is the governor. His His kingdom ruleth over all. He's the governor of the nations. He rules. Uh, he does his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand. or are saying to him, What doest thou out of Daniel 3? Looks that Nebuchadnezzar finally understood. So we see that that you said, What are you doing up here? I got a flyer or something. I don't know. <laughs> Paul said, I'm not one that weighs about with the arms. I think he said one place, but I guess I shouldn't do that. Alright. But <laughs> we find that uh, as they were leaving this place, Jerusalem, all the faithful followers of David, well, guess who joins along? We find that Zadok the priest, who's faithful to David and the cause of the Lord, because uh, David was the rightful king, not Absalom. So Zadok the priest, let's start reading here. <coughs> um. Verse 24. And lo, Zadok also, and all the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God. And Abathur went up until all the people had done passing out of the city. In other words, Zadok the priest is going to take all... He's taking the ark of God and going to follow David out into the city. Out of the city into the wilderness. Alright? You got the picture. And the Levites. Here they are. You got those faithful to David, his servants who say, we're ready to fight if you want, but if you say we'll go out, we're going to go out. Zadok the priest takes the ark, they're coming with David out of the city, into the wilderness. And here's what David said. Verse 25, And the king said unto Zadok, that's the priest, carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, He will bring me again... And show me both it and his habitation. Alright? But, if he thus say, I have no delight in thee. Behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. Let those words sink into your ears. Look at the attitude of David. David. He tells Zadok the priest, you know, no, don't bring the ark out. You go ahead and bring it, take, leave it in Jerusalem. And if it so be that God, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, if it's God's will, he'll bless me to return back to Jerusalem and I'll both see it and his habitation. But if not, he says, but if not, if it's not God's will for me to return back and see it and his habitation, But if God thus rather says, I have no delight in thee, David. David says, Behold, here I am. Let him, that is the God of heaven, do to me as seemeth good unto him. Oh, the Lord would give us the grace to cultivate that kind of an attitude. I want what the Lord wants. That's another way David says, I want whatever the Lord wants. If he decides to bring me back, that's great. If he decides to leave me out in the wilderness, I'm fine with that because he's the Lord and I want the Lord's will to be done in my life. Perhaps it's not the Lord's will that he bring me back and restore me as king. Wow. See, he was reconciled. You see how he was Reconciled to God's will as it relates to providence, and he understood that if the Lord doesn't bring him back to Jerusalem, it was not the Lord's will for him to come back into Jerusalem, and he was okay with it. This is a okay, this is an okay message this morning. Are we okay with what the Lord does? In Providence. Or do we have our own desires and our own will and we want what we want and we're going to get upset when we don't get our way in life. Have you ever, have you, have you ever got upset when you didn't get your way? And my friends, you know this is you know wanting your way is not something you got to be taught. Don't look, yeah, I hear you. you got kids and grandkids and yeah, those little kids. We're we're born in this world. I want, and if I don't want, I'm going to cry, and if I don't get it, I'll kick a fit. You know, they learn that. We want what we want. David says, I you know, I mean, I'm sure David. You know, first thing he said was, you know. I'll, I'll see it again if it's the Lord's will. His first, you know, I'm sure his desire would be to go back. I mean, he's already spent about 16, 17 years of his life out running in the wilderness from somebody trying to kill him. Right? That's probably not the first option he wanted to choose. But look at this man of God, a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart is saying, look, I'm all in for the Lord (laughs) and I'm all in for the Lord's agenda for my life. And you got to understand, we have to understand that, you know, before we can be all in for the Lord and the God of providence, And be okay with the things that happen in life. i got to understand that he's the one in charge of it all. He's the governor of the nations. He is the one who is the king of kings. The Lord of lords. Of whom Nebuchadnezzar had to learn the hard lesson. That God ruleth in the kingdom of men. And giveth it to whomsoever he will. You see. And that's why he said all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. After Nebuchadnezzar ended up, after his great pride, you know what he did. You know, he got, he looked at Babylon, he said, this great Babylon that I made, I created with me, my hands, I've done this, I've done that. God smote him down because he gave not God the glory of God's blessing him in providence. A lot of people are ignorant of, ignorant of providence of God in our lives. But in him we live and move and have our very being. But he taught, he, Nebuchadnezzar learned the lesson after 77 years on all fours eating grass like a wild beast out of here in the field. It says when he came to himself, he praised the most high God and he said all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing and he doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven. That's up there. And among the inhabitants of the earth, that's here. See, God is the one who's in charge. He's the one who is in control. He's the one that preserves all things. He upholds all things by the word of His power. The Bible says, Hebrews 1.3. In Him we live and move and have our being. You say, well, I don't know. I don't feel like God's, you know, God doesn't live close to me. You know what? If God wasn't living close to you, you'd drop down dead right now. Seeing that He giveth to all life and breath. Acts chapter 17 verse 25 says that God is not worshipped with men's hands as though He needeth anything. Seeing that He giveth to all men life and breath and all things. God is a constant companion with us. And David knew and understood that. <clears throat> this is the same David. David says, "If the Lord delights in me, He'll bring me back. But if not, that's okay, because He understood that God was walking and direct, walking with him and directing him down the journey of his life, leading him down the journey of our life. And God is with us today in the same." Here's what David said, a man after God's own heart. If we go to Psalms 139, David says, he says that verse two, thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. He said, thou compasseth my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. He compasseth his path and lying down. All right. He says, Thou hast beset me behind me and before me, and laid thy hand on me. How close is God? God's right there. David says, He's before me. God's behind me. Even though I can't see Him, He's there. And we have a precious promise in the New Testament, Hebrews 13, 5. He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. See, God is always with us. And He providentially is leading us down the journey of our life. And he says here, he says, if I ascend up into verse eight, verse seven, he says, whether I, whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Notice those words. Says you're leading me and your right hand's holding me. Psalm 66 says, verse 9 it says, He holdeth our soul in life. Do you know why that you're living today? Right now you have life? Cause He's holding your soul in life right now, whether you understand it or not. He, in Him we live and move, we have our very being. He gives us the very breath that we have. Do you know what if God, what would happen if God took away our, the breath of man? We'd fall down dead. Job 33 verse 14 and 15. He says, if, if God would, would, uh, uh, let me go read that. Psalms 33. Verse 14. He says, (coughs) sorry, 30. I'm sorry. I say Psalm. I meant Job. Job 33. Verse 14, he says, if he set his heart upon man, if he gather unto himself his spirit and his breath. In other words, if God gathered unto himself your spirit and your breath, he said, all flesh would dwell would perish together, and man should turn to dust again. That's right. In him we live and breathe. God he giveth all life and breath. The very breath that we're taking right now. While, we're, while you're listening to me talk and I'm trying to talk, right now, the reason He's given us breath, that's why you have it. And if He decided to take your breath away, you'd fall down dead. You'd give up the ghost, you see. I mean, the same God that breathed into the nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul, He can take it away. Job 10 12, 10 says, "...in His hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind." How close is God to you? He's got you in the palm of your hand. He's behind us. He's before us. He gives me breath. He holds my soul in life. He's preserving my very life right now. In Isaiah chapter 46... See, we need a right perspective of God and the way things really are. In His hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. He holds us in His hand. Isaiah 46, verse 3 says, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are borne by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb... Even to your old age, I am He. And even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made, I will bear, even I will carry and deliver you. You know what He's saying right there? He says, from the time you breathe your first to the time you breathe your last, I'm the one sustaining you and carrying you along in life. Whether you know it or whether you don't. Because God is not a God that's afar off, but He's a God that's very nigh. Nice. And that question was asked in Jeremiah twenty three. He says, Am I a God at hand? Am I not a God am I not a God afar off? Can any man hide himself in secret places? I shall not see him, saith the Lord. Do not I feel heaven and earth? My friends, he's before he's beset us behind and before. And if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me and guide me. He's leading us down the journey of our life. And as he told the uh, Israelites back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God hath led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Well, the same God that's leading providentially those Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, He's the same God that's leading us down the journey of our life. And we need to reflect that and be ready for God's will, not ours. Alright? He's with us all the time. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's with us all the time. Let's go to James. James chapter 4. We're talking about being reconciled to God's will. (coughs) And I'll tell you there's nothing that comes into our life Or crosses our path. But what God causes it. Or he will suffer it. For some reason that he knows. Alright. He can suffer a Joseph. To be sold by his brethren. Down in Egypt. Because God's will is. That he be in Egypt. To sustain. His own family. In a famine. But he found that out. Many years later. Do you always know what, why things happen to you? Things come into your life? No, we don't. We don't. Now let's, let's continue to James chapter four just for a moment. Verse 13 says this. James says, he says, go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city. And continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Have y'all ever had made any plans? Here, I'm going to plan. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to be this. This is the profession I make. Uh, I'm going to do this in life. You know, you may have had a lot of plans that you made. Now that you're older, you say, well, you know, all those plans didn't pan out, did they? How do you know what the Lord's plan is for your life? Alright. And I'm not saying I have any, you know, uh, uh, special way to know, you know, the Lord tell me, you know, uh, He hadn't appeared to me in a, a burning bush and told me what to do or where I was gonna go. But listen to what He says here. Go to now, ye that say. Here's a person that's got all kinds of plans. I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna do. Hey, I got a good idea. I'm gonna go into such and such a city. I'm gonna live there a year. I'm gonna buy and sell and get game. That's what I'm going to do. And he's saying what? He says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. How can you say what you're going to be doing tomorrow when you don't know? Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor which appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You know what we're supposed to be saying? We can have plans. And there's nothing wrong with plans. Plans are good. As a matter of fact, if you don't make plans, you're not being responsible. Alright? You better make plans for how you're going to feed your family. You better make plans how you're going to live. Make plans. Uh, all, all kinds of plans. Uh, you know. But he says this. Whereas he ought to say. We shouldn't say, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We should say... If the Lord wills, I shall do this or that. If the Lord's wills, I'll go into a city, stay there a year, buy and get gain. Alright? You know, we all often say among the church, Lord willing, I'll see you next Sunday. Well, why do we say Lord willing? Right here. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we're going to do this. Well, Lord willing, I'm going on this trip next week. Lord willing, I'm going to look for another job, and you know, Lord willing, I'm going to do this. He just told us that's what we ought to say because our plans may not be the Lord's plans. He may have other plans that we don't know anything about. Whereas you ought to say, if the Lord wills, you know, the first thing is he says we should. Where you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live. Did you see that? The first he didn't just say, if the Lord wills, we're going to do this or that. He says what? He says, whereas you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live. That's the first thing. Are you guaranteed a tomorrow? Am I guaranteed tomorrow? No. Not. It may be the Lord's will to take me home. I don't know. If it's the Lord's will to take you home. Through death tomorrow, are you okay with that? Are we okay with the Lord? If it's the Lord's will, if it's what God wants. Are we okay with that? He says we ought to say, if the Lord's willing, we're gonna, this is acknowledgement. Only if the Lord's willing will I be living tomorrow. If the Lord wills, I'll do this. Or that if the Lord wills, I'm going to be living. And if I wake up and I'm living. Uh, and if the Lord wills, I'm going to do this, that, or the other. See, God is walking. He's, le- He's walking with us. He's leading us. He's carrying us from the time we come out of our mother's womb. Even to our whore hairs. That means the gray hairs. Back over to Isaiah 46. He's leading us down the journey of our life. Providentially watching over us. And everything is not a life of ease. Alright? There's problems. You ever have problems? You ever have difficulties? You ever have trials? There's this. There's a wealth, health, wealth, and happiness gospel being promoted all over the country. If you just give your heart to the Lord, church serving the Lord, you, He'll solve all your financial troubles. He'll solve all your marriage troubles. Uh, you'll not have any troubles in the world. That's falsehood. We're going to have trials and tribulations. Here's a man after God's own heart. He's going out in the wilderness. He doesn't know if he's coming back. It's not all ease and a flowery bed of ease. We find in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. Yeah, there's going to be persecutions. For righteousness' sake. Blessed are ye when all men shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. If we're what we're supposed to be, especially in this world that gets worse and worse, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, we're going to have more conflict with this world and more trial with this world. More problems, you see. In Acts chapter... 16 verse 25, we find that Paul and Silas, they got thrown in jail for preaching the word of God and showing the great way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, for their, for their efforts, they got thrown in to prison. Do you know what they're doing in there? They're praying and singing praises unto God. You know why? Cause they're okay with the Lord's will to be in prison for preaching the gospel of the grace of God. See, they're willing. I'm going to tell you, it makes life a whole lot better when you're just willing to submit to God's will, whether it be through His Word or through providence. Through the will of God as it's related in providence. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were being faithful to the Lord and it cost them something. But they didn't let it get it down. They were, were... do you you know the key to being content in life? Be resigned to God's will. Paul says over in the Philippian letter, 413 and 412, he says, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in, he's not talking about Alaska, Nebraska, or Maine, when he said whatever state I'm in, he said whatever condition I'm in. I have learned to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed to be full, to be hungry. Alright? To be lifted up. He says, I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need, but he learned I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Are we willing to be in with Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail if it's the Lord's will? Now we should, we ought to be obeying the Lord and not doing something that would get us cast in there because of our sins and transgressions of the law. But are we okay with what happens providentially in our life? You know, sometimes I think about the question, there's been many books been written, probably many sermons preached on why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to do that which is right. I'm a good person. So why is all this bad stuff happening to me? You're really, you're really asking the wrong question. The real question is, why do good things happen to bad people? Because by nature, we're all bad people. But we get the idea that, you know, maybe I deserve better because I'm serving the Lord. I'm good. I'm giving my heart to the Lord. I'm trying to serve Him. Why does all the there's still difficulty, there's still trial. We sing a song. Dark and thorny is the desert by which pilgrims make their way. We're all pilgrims. We're heading for a home we've never seen before. We're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Dark and thorny. What's your experience? Dark and thorny. And as the world gets more ungodly, it'll be more dark and thorny. You know, God forbid that we think we deserve better than we're getting. If I, if I got all my just desserts, I'd be living. I, I'd end up in a flaming, fiery lake of fire forever and ever. Anything short of that is the mercy and grace of God. If I drop down and, uh, die tomorrow and, uh, at 59 years old, well, that's okay. That's as a grace and mercy that I made it this long. Are we okay with God's providence? We ought to be saying, if the Lord will, I'll do this or that. That's an acknowledgement that God is on the throne. God is the governor among the nation. His his kingdom ruleth over all. He doeth His will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. God's the one in charge. He holds my soul in life. And He keeps my enemies at bay. He does this. He does that. Providentially. God's in charge. And He's leading me down the journey of my life. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, it says in Romans 8. We're led by the Spirit of God. He's before us, He's behind us. Are we okay with whatever... We find out, God in His providence, maybe my house gets blown away by a tornado... Well, that's not my first choice, right? I mean, I mean, I wouldn't vote for that. But he who controls the weather and can preserve my house, if he didn't choose to preserve it, am I okay with that? I remember one time a man in the Bible, he lost his house or the house where his sons and daughters were. And he also lost all his children. His name was Job. His name was Job. let's go to Job. We mentioned Job. Let's go to Job chapter 1. This man was the richest man. Richest man in the east. Verse 1, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Well, it sounds like he's in a good place, right? He fears God. It evil. It says he's a perfect and upright man. I mean, he's got everything going for him, right? Wonder how that health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is going to be for him, right? <clears throat> the Lord didn't take care of all, you know, the Lord didn't deliver him from all trials and tribulations because you know what happened? He lost it all. Back in the stock market crash in the, back in the later 20s, 30s, <clears throat> men lost it all. I hear stories, some were jumping from skyscrapers because they lost all of their wealth. What are you going to do when things don't go your way? What if you lost it all? Well, all these things are fleeting. We have God and eternity stands before us. Here, Job lost it all. His substance was, I I'm not going to tell you all his substance here. But he's one of the wealthiest men in the East. And you know that God had a conversation with Satan. And I wouldn't have known that they, those two, uh, communicate with each other, with each other, except we find it in the Word of God where they did. They do, and they did. Hast thou considered my servant Job? Satan says, you know, the only reason Job's servant you is because you've put a hedge of protection about him. You've blessed the works of his hands. You know, Satan knows more about the providence of God and blessing of God than a lot of men do. And women. You see what Satan just acknowledged? The reason that Job is he's so successful and he has all these things, he says because you've set a hedge of protection about him and you've blessed the works of his hands. And that's exactly right. If you're prospering in business, because God is prospering you. He's blessing the works of your hands. Alright? But, verse 11, but put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking, Wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said. The oxen were plowing. The asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone. He says I only am escaped alone to tell thee. All right. So all the asses and oxen are gone. And while he was yet speaking, I mean, add insult to injury. I mean, you just learned you lost, you know, all your asses and all your oxen. And before this messenger can tell you that, here's another messenger coming with some bad news. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep. And the servants are consumed with them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking. There came also another. And said the Chaldeans made out three bands. And fell upon the camels. And have carried them away. Yea and slain the servants. With the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking. There came also another. The fourth messenger. And said thy sons and thy daughters. Were eating and drinking wine. In their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smoked the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Here's a man. You talk about calamity. He lost all his livelihood of his livestock. He lost his children. He's got left. What's he got? He's got his wife and four servants. You talk about liquidation of assets and of a family. Boom, 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 boom. He gets the news. What did he do? It says, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head. And fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not. Nor charged God foolishly. Job says, I came into this world with nothing. You know what? I'm going to go out with nothing. That's true of every one of us. It's true of every one of us. We came in with nothing. We're going to go out with nothing. There's no, I've never seen a U-Haul on the back of a hearse. You're leaving it all behind. Look at his attitude. Then he said, the Lord gaveth. And the Lord hath taken away. He acknowledged that God is the one that blessed the works of His hands. God was in the matter and He He was the richest man in the East. He had all these things, all these children. He understood God in His providence. It was God's will in providence to give Him all those things and to bless Him with all those things. But Job was not just a man to be okay with God's will when it, you know, uh, was going his way and something he liked. God's will was to take it all away from Job. And providentially he did. You say, well, Satan did it. Well, yeah, but you know, Satan can only go so far as God would suffer or allow him to go. Right? There's a sermon in itself. God is in charge. Be assured, Satan can only go so far as what God would suffer Satan to go. And that's why He told Satan, says, okay, everything that he has is in your hands, but you don't touch Job. You don't lay a finger on Job. See, there's a limitation to what Satan can do. But yet, it was God's will that He gives Satan leeway to take these things away from Job. And in that sense, Job understands that there's nothing, this couldn't just happen. God is in control. So it must be his will to allow this to happen. That's why he says the Lord took it away. God gave it, he took it away. That is not charging God with sin. Or charging him foolishly. I know that because it says it in the next verse, right? He says in all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. He said everything right. I came into this world naked. I'm going to leave naked. I came in with nothing. I'm going to leave nothing. God has given and God has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord in all this. Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Would be, would be, would we be okay? God suffered all our wealth to If you're invested in the stock market, it's kind of right now, right? You okay with that? I didn't say, I'm not asking if you, that's what you want. Nobody said, oh yeah, I just want to be poor, destitute, and you know, no, I'm not talking about what you want. I mean, you know, just your own brothers, you know, what you'd want. But are we willing to bow the knee to God's sovereignty when things strike? It's outside of our control. But God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know, in the example model prayer, as recorded in Luke chapter 11, it says, uh, Our Father which out in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what we're talking about this morning, right? Thou will be done. Are we really going to pray that prayer? Lord, your will be done, not mine. You see, that's what David's saying. The Lord's will be done. He's a man after God's own heart. He's not, it's just not saying the words. See, we can pray the words. Our Father, which art in heaven, how would be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Hopefully that's not just coming out the mouth. But can I really pray that from the heart? That's the question. Thy will be done. Cause there's a lot of people get angry with God. You understand that, right? There's people that get angry of God. For instance, I've, I've met a lot of people that are angry and you know, because he took my spouse. He took my wife through death. My 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 uh, my wife died of cancer and left me all alone. People can get mad at God, and it's not like that. People like that, like the person's an atheist. If he's an atheist, he wouldn't be mad at God. He didn't believe in God. But here's a person who understands something about the sovereignty of God and that God could have prevented this death. Of a spouse, and he didn't, and I don't like it. And I'm mad because not what I wanted. Well, you know what? Evidently, it's what God wanted. We going to bow the knee? Going to bow the knee? It is the Lord. Let Him do what seemeth Him good. Or let's go to First Samuel chapter three. 1 Samuel chapter 3. There was a man named Eli. He was a priest of God. And he had some sons in the priesthood that he didn't restrain. And among other things, they were stealing and also committing fornication with women coming there to the Tabernacle, and I'm not going to go any more than all that. But Job didn't restrain his sons, and God sent judgment upon his house for the sin which he knew, and he didn't step in and fix things. He was allowing this stuff to go forth. God sent a judgment. And it was revealed to the little boy Samuel in the night of this judgment against Eli for the sin which he knew and didn't do anything about. And we find that the message is, the Lord said unto Samuel, verse 11, 3, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. God had already told Eli this is a judgment that's coming. Now he tells the little boy Samuel, this judgment is coming. Alright? So, Samuel, he goes back to bed in verse 15, because he told him this at night, goes back to bed, and Samuel, verse 15 says, Samuel lay until the morning, and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here am I. And he said, what is the thing, what is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? What did God tell you last night? Well, he didn't want to tell him. This is bad news, right? I pray thee hide it not from me. God do so to thee and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto me, unto thee. Verse 18, and Samuel told him every whit and hid nothing from him. God is going to judge your house. Samuel told him. Look at Eli's response. Samuel told him every whit hid nothing back from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Wow. He wasn't doing everything right. He he was fixing to have his house judged because he wasn't doing things right. But he had enough sense that he said what? And, and, and he lost both these boys through death. But you know what he said? He said, it is the Lord. What's the Lord going to do? He's going to do this. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Why? Cause he's the Lord. He's the Lord. He's one that can open and shut and shut and open. He can open and no man close, he can shut and no man open. He is in the driver's seat, providentially. And even in the face of judgment. He said, It is the Lord. Let him seemeth good. Let him do what seemeth him good. You know, our country is in the face. I'm no prophet or the son of a prophet, but I'm going to tell you it's very obvious that evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. I mean, things are going downhill in this country really quickly. Right? Just think about what happened the last few years. And I'm not going to go into a bunch of details. You see with the different things going on. On a moral scale... And everything. Every nation that forgets God is turned into hell. and <laughs> We're right on the path. It's gonna get worse. Unless God providentially blesses it to be better. Which he could. I'm not, I'm not giving you a doomsday, but I'm gonna tell you, if this country doesn't turn back to the Lord and morality, the moral principles of the Word of God, We're going to continue to go down, down, and at some point, you know, most nations don't last as long as this one has. You say, Brother Vince, I don't like living, I, I don't want this to happen. I don't like living here in this time, 2022. Well, you know what? The Lord wanted you living at this time. Aren't we okay with the Lord's plan? He wants us here for such a time. I know that. You say, how do you know that? Because we're here. Right? And He doesn't want you in heaven yet. You know why? Because you're still here. Philippians 1.23... I mean uh, Paul says, I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with the Lord, which is much better. That was his desire. He says, Nevertheless, it's more needful that I abide here. The Lord wasn't done with him yet. Are we content to be here? We should. We ought to want to be here just as long as the Lord wants us here. And when the Lord gets ready to take us home, we ought to want to go home and be with the Lord if that's His will. You know, I had my... uh I mean, He holds our soul in life. I think about my parents sometimes. You know, like I've got... Uh, my mom died from cancer. My dad died from cancer. I had a grandfather die from cancer. I might die from cancer too. Well, but you say, well, no, you, you shouldn't die from cancer. Why? What makes me so better than anybody else? I might die in a car wreck. Said, oh, that'd be so horrible. You just die. You know, there's a lot of people die in car wrecks. Every day in Texas, over 4,000 people die in a car accident. You know that? Hadn't had a deathless day since, in 22 years. Well, someone's gonna to have to die. I shouldn't say that. Let me strike that back. Don't have to die. But somebody, if the average keeps on, they're gonna die. They're gonna die. It might be me. It might be you. You say, what are you talking about, death? I'm gonna tell you, except the, if you hadn't figured it out yet, Except the Lord comes back during your lifetime. Every one of us is going to die someday. And we should not look forward to it. We ought you know, love life. But I do not know. I am not guaranteed another day. In that model prayer. Thou will be done. He says give us this day. our." Day. He gives, said give us day by day. Our daily bread. You know I don't really like to live. Day by day. I like you know. I like, I like to have some money in the bank account. A lot of people live day by day trusted in the Lord. David said, you know what? Take the ark back. I'll see it again if it's the Lord's will. But if he says to me, David, I don't have any delight in you. David says, here I am. Let him do. What seemeth good, and he he's all in for the Lord. He's a man after God's own heart, who knows that God is before him and behind him, and that He's with him, promised to provide that His needs, and He wants what the Lord's will is for His life. Eli says, "It's the Lord, even at the time of judgment. Let Him do." What seemeth him good? Are we really on board? Alright, let's turn to, to uh, Daniel chapter 3. We find here in Daniel chapter 3, I want to talk a little bit about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Jews that were trying to be faithful servants of God. And you know what happened. Nebuchadnezzar made this great image, right? And he set it up. And I the Bible doesn't say I figure it's probably an image of him. You know, I, I don't know that. But, you know, that's what I picture anyway. And at what time they hear all this manner of music. They're to fall down and worship this image. This golden image which he set up. Well, there was three Jews there that didn't do it. You know why? Because they were all in for the Lord. They were resigned under God's will. Both as reflected in the Word of God... And the providence of God. Just like David and some of these others. Because they were reconciled and resigned to doing God's thing, whatever God said do, do it. That's the reason that they wouldn't fall down and worship this image because the Ten Commandments prevented them from doing that. They only have God for their God. And they're not to make an image to fall down and worship. They're not going to worship God. Why? Why? Because they were resigned to God's will, as reflected in the Word of God, so they wouldn't bow the knee. Well, you know what happened? It was reported to the king. The king was filled with wrath. He came out of his seat. He was filled with a rage when he found out that these three would not bow down and worship this the image. Verse 12 says, there are, here's what was told the king. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, I mean, this is a big assembly. He'd called all the chief counselors and the captains, the chief men of the province were there for this great celebration. And now the focus is these three Hebrews coming before the king. Surely all eyes are upon them, right? Here's all eyes are upon them. And this is taking place. The king comes out of his seat, calls him forth. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is brought right there before him. And he says this, Is it true? Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, suckbat, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music... If you be ready, and what time you hear all this, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. It'll be okay. In other words, he's given one last chance. You bow the knee. But if you worship not. If you'll fall down, if you'll worship this image, you'll be alright. But if you don't. If you worship not, you shall be cast into the same hour, into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Wow. What would we do? What would I do? Here's what they did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Do you know what that word careful means? It means we're not anxious. We're not anxious. We're not worried about this thing. And in the New Testament, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Your hearts are my God. Keeps our hearts. We're supposed to cast all our care upon Him, for He careth for us. You want to, you want to, you want to live a worry-free life. Put all your worries to the Lord. Cast all those cares upon the Lord. You know, if we're, if we're responsible for doing certain things, feeding our family, doing, you know, being a good employer, whatever it is. Singing one another psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, whatever God tells me to do, I'm responsible for doing that and I needed to be doing it. But there's so much that's without, our hands are tied. This, that's not, we can't fix things. And those are the time kind of things that we need not worry about. The cares that we have. Alright? The cares that we have. Are my children, you know, they're on the road. Are they gonna to get to their destination safe? You don't need to worry about that. That's in the Lord's hands. It's not in your hands. You can't do anything to help your children when they're away. That's just an example. We worry about things we have no control over, rather than pray to the one who has all control over. Who is that God? That Nebuchadnezzar says, "Who is that God that's going to deliver you?" (laughs) And, And you know, I don't think they're being arrogant about it, but they're sitting back there thinking. We know who that God is. Yeah. They weren't anxious about this thing. Listen. and Why weren't they anxious about it? And afraid? Because they're all in for the Lord in being submissive to His providence. Listen to what He says. We are not careful. That is, we're not anxious to answer them in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve, guess what? He's able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Not a problem with God. Alright? Who created all this? Sustains all this? Has control over fire? I mean, there's already a bush that burned one time that's never consumed, right? I mean, who do you think invented the fire and you created all things? It's not a problem. God's not a God of fire off. He's a God that's nigh. And He's the God that we serve. Who has all power in heaven and earth and does His will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand. Who is that God that's going to deliver you? It's the God of glory. It's the God of this universe. The God of providence. The great I Am. That's who's going to do it. That's who can do it. The one that's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. That's the one that can do it. Yeah. Yeah. If it be so, our God whom we serve, He's able. He's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of thy hand, O King. But if not, let's say He doesn't. Do you realize they were okay with that? They go home to be with the Lord that much sooner. But if it be not, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Yeah, we're confident. God's able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to do what you say because we serve God. We're all in for the Lord. Whatever he says, we're going to try to do what he says and we leave it up to God to take care of us in providence. You have enough faith in God that he can take care of you in providence? We should. He's been doing it a long time for his people. He says we should be content with such things as we have. Content with such things as he had for he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. So that we may sure, may certainly say, the Lord is our helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. They were able to save, stay strong because they knew who God was. But look at that. It's the Lord. Basically they're saying it's the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good unto him. He's able to save us, but if not, you know, it's alright. Because they were resigned to the will of God in their life. Of course, you know what happened? They threw, they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bound into the furnace. And it was hidden seven times hotter than it was wont to be. And the men that threw him in were consumed it was so hot. They got close to the fire, burned them up. But the king came out of his seat. And said, "Did not we cast three in there? Lo, I see four men walking loosed, and the fourth like unto the Son of God." I'm going to tell you what God, the Lord, has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He's behind us. He's before us. Even with His right hand, He's guiding us. He says, "From your, it separates you from your mother's womb, even to the coming out from your from when you was a little baby." to your old gray hairs all your life. He says, I am He that's made you. I will deliver you. I'm carrying you along. We don't know what's the rest of the chapter in our life is. But God does. But if we are what we should be, we want to be reconciled to God's will. We want to say, whereas we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we're going to live. If it's the Lord's will, we'll live. And if it's the Lord's will, we'll do this or that. Don't forget about God. You know, that's one of the problems that children of Israel had in the wilderness. They forgot that it was God that was leading them down the journey of their life. That's what they did. They forgot. He delivered them across the Red Sea. He delivered them... And all these things. And if you want to read some commentary of that. Go read Psalms 107. And you'll find. They says they forgot. God. After God delivered them across the, the uh, Red Sea. And the Egyptian and the armies are overthrown in the sea. When they were escaping Egypt. Verse 5, Chapter 15 of Exodus says they sang the song of Moses. God is our strength. He's our salvation. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's protecting us. He's doing all these things. And in three days, they get out where they don't have anything to drink. And they start murmuring and complaining. You know why? Because they forgot that God is in control. God is provident. In Him we live and move, have our being. God is the one who's leading us along providentially in the journey of our life. Let us remember, if it's the Lord, we want whatever the Lord wants. I don't have to understand why maybe he took my wife early in death or my husband early in death or maybe a child. I don't know, but we have a God who is in control and he has reasons. He doesn't always consult us with the whys of how, why he either does things or he suffers things to be but David again said I will go back to Jerusalem if it's the Lord's will but if he say I don't have any delight in you David you know I'm not going to bring you back it's the Lord let him do what seemeth him good I'm good with dwelling out in the wilderness and never coming back to Jerusalem you say was he really okay with that I believe he was. He was a man after God's own heart. And he recognized God's providence in his life. If it's the Lord's will, he'll bless me to see it. If it's not the Lord's will, I won't. It's the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Because he's God, and I'm not. May God bless you. It's my prayer.